0: Welcome to Heavy Strategy, where the questions are sometimes more interesting than the answers, or maybe the answers don't really answer the question, but hopefully help you in your thinking. Greg and I have been talking a lot about this concept of quiet quitting, where the idea is that workers, um, IT workers, for example, might decide, you know what, I'm actually done with going the extra mile. I'm going to come in, I'm going to do my bare minimum, keep my head down, keep my job, but do nothing more. And the thing that really intrigued me and wanted, in, inspired me to ask Greg to elaborate a little bit is Greg said, you know, you actually can work very well with a team comprised of a significant percentage of quiet quitters. And Greg, what I wanted to ask you was, I know we sort of tossed around mm. percentages, but it was such an unusual perspective that it's okay if a good chunk of the team is basically doing the bare minimum.
1: Yeah. Well, it's not the bare minimum that they're doing. they're doing their jobs, right? If you've got people doing the bare minimum, literally you know sitting there and you, if you want them to do something, you've got to prod them. those people should be invited to take their skills somewhere else. But what you do need in any .IT team is people who just come in and do the job. They're not overachieving. If you've got a team of overachievers. You're going to end up with failed sit up because everybody's pushing hard, everybody's driving, and you end up with VC type culture, which rapidly becomes toxic. Teams that I've seen work really well is when sort of some number 10, 20, 30, depending on the situation, are the people pushing hard, you know, doing the extra time for learning. But there's a larger number, much larger number, 50 to 80% of the staff are just coming in, doing their jobs, getting it done, and going home because there's a bunch of work in the day to day that just needs to get done that doesn't need to be world-shatteringly career enhancing it's not the hustle right it's just work does that make sense configure the configure
0: the damn routers yeah. yes although frankly there's tools for that i want to push a little bit yeah. and ask the question how would you how would you clearly distinguish between doing the bare minimum doing your job, and being an overachiever. Can you give concrete examples of the differences between those three?
1: The thing about people who are overachieving or pushing for that, they're the ones who will stay back for an extra hour if there's something that needs to be done. They're the ones coming in on the weekend. They're the ones who are taking time to study at nights and on weekends because the company's not paying for it. Very rare these days. They're the ones who are you know, putting themselves forwards for projects. Usually you've got a project manager, but you've also behind the project manager. There's somebody filling out spreadsheets and doing paperwork. There's somebody in the organization doing payroll. Not exactly a, a high. Well, achiever, yeah, but I, you know.
0: but let's let's take those people out. Yeah, and lose yeah. the project managers, lose the payroll people, and say we've got an IT team. This is heavy strategy, yeah. so it's a team building strategy. Yeah. Okay, give give me an example of an overachiever. Well, you did somebody who's getting training on his own di- on his own dime or training on his dime. own
1: dime and time.
0: All right, okay. But what's the example of somebody in technology strategy who's just doing their job?
1: Well, there's plenty of people who are just deploying your servers, racking your servers. Their job is to do this, and that's what they do. And when it comes to working nights and weekends, they're very reluctant, or they they don't step forward and volunteer for new projects. They're the people who are happy with things the way they are. Now, let me just say that I think the situation has changed a lot in the last three years over the COVID pandemic period. And with people moving remotely, there's been so much disruption that there is an angle that you could take that a lot of our workforce has been thrown onto their own responsibility, working in a home environment, lost contact with people face to face, had to change. So a lot of people have actually been working longer hours. And I've read a number of reports which say now that people are working from home, they've actually no longer just working eight hours a day. They're often working more hours, 10, 12 because they're always with their work and they haven't worked out how to separate the two does that make sense have you did you find that when you were doing the pandemic you just worked more no
0: because we've been we've been a virtual organization since since 2003 but mm-hmm. the your main observation holds because mm. what we found since we've been a virtual organization, we've hired, you know, dozens of people. I don't think we ever got over 100. We found pretty quickly there's two classes of people and it really is quite binary. Mm. Half the people will come in, they're gung-ho, not, not really half, one group of people come in, they're gung-ho, they're working really hard, they're working nights and weekends, they're trying to get promoted or mm. whatever it is they're doing. They're just super enthusiastic yeah. and you watch them and you set your clock six months in they start to falter 12 months in they're having serious burnout you have to wait until somewhere between six and 12 months when you have the talk with yeah them, that's right yeah. which is you must we give you vacation on purpose you must take it we appreciate your attitude yeah okay so that group of people are the high achievers the mm-hmm. other group of people are exactly the opposite that never get anything done unless you sit on them and they're too much effort to manage mm. and work with they aren't self-motivated, and they will. The, the ones that are self-aware will tell you, I don't know how to get work done just staring at a screen.
1: Thank you, but goodbye. <laughs> there are different people who can handle it and some people who can't. Some people need the face-to-face, you know, extroverts are suffering particularly. read a bunch of articles to sort of get my ideas straight for this show, and there's a quote here. In March of 2022, the World Health Organization reported a 25% worldwide increase in anxiety and depression, and according to research by Indeed, of workers say they're feeling burned out. The World Health Organization, not necessarily the most uh, reliable of sources, but, you know, 25% is significant. Even if they're wrong by a substantial amount, that's worrying. And I'll also take the point that Indeed, which is a recruitment website, if you ask workers <laughs> working on a recruitment site, do they feel burned out? You know what the answer is going to be, right? It's going to be... No, no. I'm <laughs> on a
0: recruitment site because I'm so excited about my That's job right. and love it so much.
1: Exactly. So I do feel 52% is way above my expectation, but I also right. feel that the, the measurement... So there's that, right? But I think the point here too is that we've also seen a lot of hustle culture lately. like. There's a lot of people getting onto social media, TikTok and YouTube saying, if you just put your get in, you can be anything, these to- these three things and you'll be number one and put the effort in and dream it, you can be it. You know, you're seeing YouTubers make millions out of being idiots and you sort of sit there and look at them and you go like, if that idiot can do it just by sheer hard work, so can I and... I think the rise of hustle culture is a part here. This idea that you've got to have a side hustle and you've got to be hustling your main job. And that if you just put in the effort, you'll suddenly be successful because that is a complete lie and a fallacy. That is not actually how the world works. So I think quiet quitting is a realization by a lot of people that it that hustle culture doesn't work for everybody. Would that be viable? Well,
0: first of all, I'm just sitting here enjoying the whole concept of your takedown of hustle culture. I mm. hadn't heard it called that, but I'm so with you. For folks listening, this is a fallacy. Hustle culture really works if you have nothing really to contribute and you're just trying to build a reputation. Then you Mm. run around and build your reputation and blah, blah, blah. But it makes me laugh though, because I was talking to a CISO who's actually not in that category, who does have a side hustle uh, with a company that he started to meet meet a need that he as a CISO saw in his organization. And without naming the guy or the company, it's actually a really good need and it's a really good hustle. So uh, I'm playing devil's yeah, advocate but it's, myself
1: I, listening to you. Yeah, but I guess my point is that hustling, side hustling is not for everybody. There's a widespread perception that everybody it, it, could have exactly. a hustle, right? Everybody could start an Amazon store or an Etsy store and have a side hustle and make a bit more cash or everybody can go out and learn a new skill and then suddenly, you know, become more valuable to the employer. At a purest point of view, that is actually true. Yes, anybody could, but not everybody should. There's two things here. Not everybody's in a situation to be able to do it, but the other one is, it's not for everybody. That idea of working, you know, 18 hours a day, like even your playtime becomes the hustle. You know, you only want to go out and socialize with people who are going to advance you in some way. You only want to be going and playing sport with people who can help your That's like a throwback to the 70s, which was awful. You know, you had to go and play golf with the company boss and the company's customers and, you know. All just that just for the
0: record, sworn that I will never learn golf because I'm not intrinsically attracted mm. to the game
1: and I never will. That, I, that Here's, said, I here's my com- golf thing. I don't know what why people hate little white balls so much that they've got to hit them with five-foot clubs. <laughs> yeah, there what go. did the ball ever do to you?
0: <laughs> well, coming back, though, to the whole notion of three categories of employees, you know, mm. one, doing the bare minimum. Let's say they're showing up and, and participating mm. in meetings, but their work isn't getting done. Obviously, they need to get fired uh, or shown the door. The group that shows up does... What is asked but does not volunteer is kind of what I hear you saying. Mm. That group is what you call the quiet quitters as opposed to the um, the sort of go-getters, yeah. let's call them, the last group. And when I look at a strategy team, I think one of the big challenges that organizations have is, and I want to come back to your point, that you need mm. a solid percentage of the just do your jobs and i really don't think we should call them quiet quitters because i don't think you're quitting if you're doing your job in no my head, well i bit... had the quitter is the first is I... the is the bottom rung the people who show up but don't really do anything
1: i think the quitting is a bit derogatory and in the sense yes. that i'm going to do the job i was employed to do instead of working 20% over sort of thing is actually not yes. quitting it's doing what you were supposed to do and i also wonder how much of this is related to remember 2 years ago we were talking about the great resignation
0: uh, well, actually, even two months ago,
1: but yes, yeah. I think quiet quitting is an extension of that, where the people who are going to move have moved, and the people who are going to stay stay. Although there's a certain amount of churn still happening in the marketplace.
0: Let me stop you there mm. before you go off into another interesting thing. I want to come mm. back to this notion that there are three tiers. So, for the sake mm. of argument, the guys at the bottom are the quiet quitters. They're the people who come up, come to work, stare at the screen don't really do anything, and go home. Those are quitters, and eventually you do need to show them the door. Mm. I think what you're talking about should be labeled something else, which are the people that are willing to do their jobs but not willing to go the extra mile. Yeah, they're still we working
1: have... hard. They're still putting in effort. Right. They're still delivering. Uh,
0: if you talk about strategy and architecture in an IT environment and map these three categories – Obviously, you can't do strategy if you're showing up and staring at the screen, but chances are you never showed, you never got even considered for that job because that's not the kind of person you would hire to do that. The challenge here is the the very people that sign up to do strategy and architecture generally have to do it above and beyond their day jobs because yeah. companies are too short-sighted to really resource strategy and architecture effectively. So what that means, I'm going to follow your logic all the way through to the end and then mm-hmm. hand back over to you. What that means is that strategy and architecture teams are disproportionately populated by the go the extra mile folks. The problem with that is you create that toxic sort of VC culture and a lot of ego games and power games because everybody wants to be right. Everyone wants to be the smartest mm. man or woman in the room. And really all we want is a viable strategy and architecture for the the organization's IT. Yeah in a sense what you're actually saying and this is why i wanted to tease this one all the way through is that strategy and architecture teams
1: often need more of well
0: need more of the middle guys so when you're hiring or when you're putting together your team don't Mm. just Mm. look for the rock stars don't just look for the lead guitarists have a couple bass players too (laughs) the majority of your team be people who didn't really volunteer for the job and will need to be fully offloaded of their other duties before they will consider accepting the job yeah but then they're there and they're going to do their job
1: you don't make you a band to... out of lead guitarists and vocalists you make a band out of exactly bass players and you know...
0: that's actually a really really critical point and the reason mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about this because you know if you think about those three categories the challenge is you certainly don't want a workforce composed of quiet quitters. You want them to go away. It's okay to have a significant plurality, if not majority, composed of do-your-jobbers. Hmm. Uh, the challenges, again, strategy and architecture teams are often disproportionately composed of the go-the-extra-milers. go, your, go the extra milers.
1: Okay, so here's a, here's a let me throw you a different leg of this, right? Sure. What about people approaching retirement? Let's say you're in your mid-50s, and you might be just a little weary by now, and you've probably got a fair bit of cash in your pocket, right? You might even have enough to retire on, how many of those people are hustling? How many of those people are just turning up and doing the job? How many of those people are busting for another, another promotion to get to the top?
0: And, no, no, I think there's two categories of people in mm. that group from folks I've worked with. Mm. One is these are people who are formerly go the extra milers who, just as you said, are mm. perfectly content to become do-your-jobbers. And I think maybe even the majority of people kind of do that. It's like, you know what? The same thing's going to happen no matter what I do, so I might as well you know leave at 5 o'clock or whatever. However... There's also the second group, the and I'll call them the one last hurrahs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working with the CTO for a major financial firm, for example, and his he wanted his legacy to be transforming this organization into an agile and DevOps model, and he did it, and it was one of the few that actually did it successfully. Uh, what what you see there is people who are not working out of ego, but people who are working out of what they want the sense of accomplishment, and I've dealt yeah. with a number of those folks, yeah. and those are the best. If you can get somebody who is a go the extra miler but not for re- reasons of ego but simply to do something great mm-hmm. in the last you know yeah. last few uh, I'm sort of pulling the
1: focus up. back a lot wider and saying mm-hmm. as IT fills up with older and older people so the boomers if you will they are getting to the point where there is they know there's no further up the ladder or they choose not to be going further up the ladder they're not looking to jump to the next hot technology those people would be regarded as Quiet quitting. Oh, he's uh, let me just deviate a little bit.
0: Well, I, uh, I just want to clarify not all of them. That's my main point. Yeah, yeah, not all of them. I'm a, of I,
1: that's why I'm saying just as a, yeah. I'm just saying there's an element to this, it's not just a young person's problem. I think it's right across the spectrum of age. A lot of people are framing quiet quitting as a millennial thing, and when it's millennials, uh, it's yes. definitely a work life balance. To me, it's about I'm young, I want to go and enjoy myself, I am not necessarily going to be part of hustle culture because right now I want to go and live my life. So I see it as that. And I read a really good one. There's another quote here from somebody who said, if your growth strategy is dependent on discretionary effort on extracting a rare commodity out of a stone, that's a really bad strategy because it's incredibly difficult to control that. And I thought that was a really great line. Effectively, a lot of companies in the pandemic, there was downsizing in the Great Resignation. Now they're whining that there's no skill. They can't hire people. This is a very broad Mm -hmm. generalisation. This is very true, yes. A lot of them are not hiring because they're not paying or because they have toxic workplaces, which is something we've talked about uh, elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you've got the people that are left being beaten to try and get the same. You know, like literally we need to get more done. And people have stepped up, I think, during the pandemic to try and keep things going. If you look at the people who are left behind, they're the people who want to stay. Their their willingness to go above and beyond is declining, but their intent to stay with an employer is increasing. Is is mm-hmm. another quote? Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Right? If you, if you don't want those quiet quitting people in your organization, you've got a problem because what are you going to do? Fire them and then try and replace them?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to also shift gears a little bit, and as as I told you in our in our prep, I want to do a little bit of a shameless plug. For An entirely different approach to training. And I don't mean technology training. I mean leadership and management training. And and the reason I'm going to mention that is because both of us agree that this isn't changing. Everything we've talked about is a function of demographics. It's not like somebody's going to flip the switch and we're going to go back to 2019. That's not happening. Baby boomers are going to continue to retire, continue to cling to their jobs. Hmm. The workforce is going to continue to be distributed. When you talk about the quiet quitters, one of the things that I think is funny, and just as an aside, is the number of large organizations who've made high-profile statements that their workers will return to the office for a minimum of X days a week and then never enforce it because people (laughs) threaten to quit. The challenges, and when we first talked about this topic, I think one of the things that causes people to not wish to go the extra mile or slip from the extra milers to the do your jobbers or from the do your jobbers down to the quiet quitters is a feeling of lack of empowerment, lack of ability to affect change. You know, the old saw about the guy that was walking around looking at all these different um, stonemasons and one guy said, he went to one guy and he, he said, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm chipping a stone. And then he went to the next guy and he said, "I'm chipping a stone because I get paid and I can feed my family." Yeah. And the third guy said, "I'm building a cathedral." And <laughs> yeah. the point is, you want to have that big objective yeah. in okay. mind. So let me also well, point
1: out that wages have declined significantly over the last five years in real right. terms. Well, right.
0: Well, hold 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 yeah. that thought, okay? Because I'm yeah. I'm going somewhere slightly else with okay. this. Okay. So I'm building a cathedral. What people actually want from work, aside from money, which they deserve people want to have the ability to make an impact. That's what they want to do. And that's why there are extremely talented people working in not-for-profits and public service where you don't make very much money. They're not doing it because they're idiots and can't get a job somewhere else, even though people say that. Mm. They're doing that because they are motivated to generate something good. The corporate workforce and the corporate mentality is such that they try to, try to detach what you're doing from the purpose of what you're doing. So we've got this centralized command and control culture, which is a top-down military chain of command model that comes from literally the military organizations of the 1700s and 1800s. It is really out of date. And what's surprising is that effective military organizations, such as, I'm going to say, the Ukrainians right now, Mm. are adopting something called mission command. And mission command means essentially you have a network of distributed groups, all of whom have been given an objective and the freedom to achieve that objective. The circle you're trying to square is you want to keep everybody in alignment. Everybody needs Mm. to be focused on the strategic objective of winning the war, but you also have to empower the people who are the, you know, the boots on the field, the people who are closest to the information to make whatever decisions yeah. they need to make.
1: This is this leadership training that you give. Exactly. You're trying to teach people this more distributed decision-making, delegate tasks, not work type stuff.
0: Delegate objectives, and that's really it. And yes, we call it adaptive leadership training. We see it as a, a great companion to DevOps and Agile, which by the way, is actually directly traces its roots back to this mission command model. Yeah. Uh, and it's usually the missing link in two things. It's the adaptive leadership training is the missing link in two things. One is any kind of move to DevOps and Agile. So if your organization is moving to DevOps and Agile and is not also doing some form of adaptive leadership training, whether ours or someone else's, you will fail. And we know large organizations that have had catastrophic failures of DevOps and Agile because they don't understand the cultural change that's needed. Um, And the second type of organization that really needs this kind of leadership is distributed workforces, which is where we're going.
1: I, I don't disagree, although I, I have a thesis that the US particularly uses military business structures because so many people in the US are military trained. Something like 10% of the of the working population has been in the military at some point for some period. And that's relatively high compared to, say, to Europe or Asia, for example. And so they tend to bring their life lessons that they learned at an early age, an early impressionable age, and they have to be retrained out of it. But I also want to highlight, it's one thing to say that you could try and reorganize the company. I think right now, people just aren't being paid up enough. They're fed up with crap work. They're getting poor pay. They have high bills. We've got inflation going on. Many of the jobs have been restructured to not provide reliable, stable employment. So if your job now is Temporary, you're paid by the week, but you don't get healthcare. Is in the U.S. is a big thing. If you don't get a holiday pay or public holidays, if you only get paid for the days you work, there's a lot less loyalty to an employer. Why am I working furiously hard when you hear the CEO? Like for example, look at the CEO of Intel was recently given a hundred and eighty million dollars a year package say what you like, but I, if I was an employee at Intel, I would not be pleased that I am still flat on revenue. You know, my pay has not increased in five years, but this got, this person suddenly got five times the salary that the previous CEO was going.
0: There is actually a really funny meme going around, which is, would you flip burgers for $350,000 a year? Yes. Yes. Okay then. We don't have a labor shortage, we have a paying employees shortage. <laughs>
1: and, and I'm a bit of a fan of true. that. I'm a bit of a fan. Like the thing is that uh, the, the money that we're seeing at the moment like if you look at the salaries in the tech sector at the executive level, they're phenomenal. These people are earning But but Greg, I'm
0: going to I'm going to push back a little bit mm. because quite frankly, the skills shortage is so acute in the tech sector that if you yeah. have current skills you're making way more than your way more than your random business peers. But you're also so being
1: ex- asked to do more because there's not enough people, and they're quite often saying to this person, "We need you to do twice the work because we can't find the extra person."
0: Sure, but I mean there are ways around that, like mentoring. You know, mentoring future go the extra milers, which no, just you know, pay yes, me. it's extra work. Just pay me. <laughs> but Greg, I need I need to clarify yeah. something. You keep focusing on money, yeah. and frankly, in New York, that's exactly what they do yeah, it's like you hire somebody for seventy five thousand, he gets hired away for one hundred thousand, he gets hired away again for one hundred and fifty thousand. and right now he's making about two hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. and he's a cybersecurity guy with five years experience. There's an upper limit to that because no matter how much you're going to pay that guy or gal, at the end of the day, they're still going to be asked to do more. And at the end of the day, not very many CEOs fall into the category of just do your jobbers or quiet quitters. Some okay, do. so
1: here's the, here's the thing. In fact, this is well known. There's actually research papers that quiet quitting actually started with CEOs. And it's been clear for decades, particularly when it comes to CEOs, I'm quoting from a report, it is well established that an entrenched CEO might decide to live the quiet life when they are poorly incentivized to do otherwise. For the Possibly,
0: but I guess what I'm trying to get at is your answer, it's sort of like, you've got a hammer and everything's a nail. Your answer is always pay people more. My answer is, yeah, pay them more, but also empower them to do great things because there is value both
1: I think we're past uh, that. The day, I, the day I, of being empowered or taking ownership or I, I, telling I, I me disagree. I'm a good person dis- or giving me recognition. Those, those, are those not values are dated those from are the 1980s. Those are not the same
0: things. Those are not the same things. Yes, you are. are equating two things that are fundamentally different. If you give me power to achieve things and I actually do have the power, that's not, not at all the same thing as saying, Johnna, you're good. No. That's totally different. So here's if, the if lesson I learned. The answer is to- a
1: number. It's a number. If you want me to work extra hours, fine, pay me. If you want me to take ownership and to do extra work for you, pay me. You want to give me recognition, that's fine, but I want the pay. I don't I'm not care dis- about I'm any not disagree- of other stuff. See, see, you're wrong. You're
0: and I've done that wrong.
1: since I was about 27.
0: You're just plain wrong. You are no longer in the workforce. Why? Because you can get, A, better pay uh, doing a podcast, and B, you are actually doing your own thing. You are empowered. So you're here telling everybody, oh, don't worry about empowerment while you're pursuing empowerment as fast
1: as you can. Well, that's now. how I and got I, here is by literally I, saying, no, I won't do that. Oh, you want me to work on the weekends? Are you paying me? No, I'm not coming in on the weekends.
0: I understand. Look, but you also, you didn't just retire and, and go boating. You actually started something where you could, you could do what you wanted to do and have an impact. And yeah, but I didn't deliberately,
1: I did, it as a, I did it to mentor. The purpose of starting the podcast so many years ago. Part, oh, but was, but nobody pays you to mentor. Why would you mentor then? Well, that's right. Back in those days, that was a way to to do give something back. Back in the days, but, when it mattered. But, but that's
0: my point. People but my have professional a multiple... life was
1: pay me. The you answer is a arbitrary... number. You've got to. You've got to be like a salesperson. You've got to sit there and. When I went to my sales manager and I didn't make my number, he said, "Greg, don't tell me what you did for me yesterday. Tell me what you're going to do for me tomorrow." And then when I see, he said, I see you haven't hit I, the budget. And he, and and I tried to give him some sort of reasons as to what went wrong. He said, I don't care, Greg. I don't he said, care. The answers I don't care.
0: Number. Yeah, but Greg, I think you are you are simplifying the whole complexity of human motivations by creating arbitrary categories. Oh, I'm not mentoring for my professional life. Oh, yeah, really? Because yeah. you're not actually teaching underprivileged people how to be parents. You're an excellent parent. That's not what you're doing. You're doing, you're mentoring in the technology area. So yeah. you're sort of using the no true Scotsman fallacy by tossing what makes your heart beat faster and what makes you want to get up in the morning and saying, oh, that's not work. Yeah. Because it's not work by
1: definition, actually, even though it's work. Actually, I did start the podcast worked. out of boredom because I was in yeah. a, well, exactly. a very challenging but, day job. But it was but that's, the other that, aspect. That is actually
0: my know, point. It wasn't only that,
1: mentoring. It was a multi part decision. So,
0: and that is exactly my point, is yeah. that every human, you know, unless except possibly the most shark-like salesperson, Most humans, especially humans in IT, have a portfolio of desires and needs and goals. Pay is one of them, and we've taken your point that, yes, get paid. I would argue you also need, if you are a manager or a senior IT leader, you need to start thinking about retraining your team in a fashion that's much more analogous to mission command as opposed to this top-down command and control, which no longer works. Um. Yes, you have to pay, but don't tell me no, 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 no. Nothing. Paying is all that is needed. It's not. It may be necessary, but it's mm-hmm. not sufficient. You have to give people the ability to make an impact. And I'm not talking about recognizing the impact. We work in technology. The impact is clear. The system is working. The bridge didn't fall down. I don't need to. I don't need to run around no, with no. a pat on the back saying, John, I built the biggest bridge." I, it's like, oh, I, I, look I, at
1: I, it. I, I know that. I know what you're saying. And there was a version of of me and other people who believe in that, but I'm I'm an outright mercenary now. If you, i am I, I do not want to work for people who aren't going to pay me and pay me less. but
0: nobody said anything about not paying i already I'm just saying if you want me that, to be engaged and if you want me that. to be
1: you know to be connected. But I
0: already acknowledged that now, leave the it other alone thing, put it on the I'll... shelf greg put it on the shelf <laughs> we have already <laughs> agreed yes, that okay. getting paid what well, you're let's worth let's move on is important. I, one
1: thing i wanted to call out about the quiet quitting is as we have so many problems with recruitment and shrinkflation in terms of the available labor pool I think leaders. Man, you are, are good gonna... with the
0: buzzwords on this one. Uh, says, this is great. I you like. You can see I've prepped hard
1: on this one. The thing about people working to the job description is you're going to have to lump it. You can't sit there and say I'm going to get rid of them or I'm going to change them, because if you did, you would actually have a worse problem. There's just not people for you to hire. So this is not actually a problem that can be fixed. I actually suspect you've got a situation where this is actually what you want. You want people working normally. The hustle culture that we've seen, this extended work hours, this discretionary effort given to the company to help them through this extended period, now has to be either rewarded with money, and with pay rises in recognition of the work that everybody's done broadly, but also to the fact that people aren't going to keep making a, a, a discretionary effort indefinitely and your leadership has to has to accept that. Driving people back to the office is not going to get you a motivated employee in in a lot of cases. Since I disagreed
0: so vehemently earlier, I, I have to say I can't agree with you more. This is mm. absolutely the case. And I would further say for IT in particular, coming back to the whole need of the just do your jobbers, I've seen too many IT cultures where it's basically built on a culture of heroes. Mm. Everyone wants the recognition and some of them are getting paid wildly. I remember working with an organization that was paying its network engineers 350 dollars to $400,000 a year 10 years ago. You, you may be wondering why the hell they're paying so much. The mm. answer was because they weren't just network engineers. They were yeah. architects. They were strategists. And they were the people that could jump in when there was a crisis and fix everything. People and with emotional are...
1: intelligence who understood them.
0: Exa- exactly. You know. These people were some of the most talented people I have ever seen. They just happened to be carrying the job title network engineer. The problem with this particular organization was it was built around heroes. Yes. So something would break, these people would leap to the fore, they would solve the problem, they would stay weekends and nights, and everything was great, and they got, as you could see, financially rewarded for it. The problem was that the problem happened in the first place through a lack of process, through a yeah. lack of structure, which is what the just- culture.
1: Yeah. Right. And the just-do-your-jobbers are-, are heroes, yeah.
0: That yeah, the just do your jobbers folks are the ones that are going to say,
1: you know what? Okay. Let's build a process that doesn't require heroes. Sure. So there's a couple of things about this I wanted to get out. One of the one of the interesting things I discovered was that this quiet quitting actually came out of China, where it was called lay down culture. Because in China, particularly in the tech sector, you're expected to work nine nine six. Have you heard of this? Nine a.m. in the morning till nine a.m. at night, six days a week. Nine nine six culture.
0: I I have heard of this and I guess my pushback is I think you're really blurring a distinction in these three categories and you're doing it on purpose. Yeah, well there's, there's I think always. there's a huge difference between someone who comes in and works say 8 to 6. Yeah, and, I don't know, want to pigeonhole people. I want jobbers. to point
1: out that it's a spectrum, right? And it might right. happen for different reasons. Maybe you've got a sick kid at home. Maybe something's happening in your personal life. You're splitting up with your partner or you're you're having some a big event, you know, you're getting married. Maybe you're just working to rule because you've got something else going on. There's no it's not a bad thing. But I do also want to highlight the fact that social media has a role to play here by amplifying these trends, both hustle culture to create the problem, to create the fact that quiet quitting is now a trend. So it's sort of like the anti-hustle, to my mind, or a return to normal after a period created by a systemic problem. So I don't necessarily see quiet quitting as bad. I think it's a very bad name for it. I think it uh,
0: I, I think what you're calling quiet quitting, I would mm. call is just do your job. And mm. the thing that quiet quitting is in my head is somebody who comes into the office and doesn't really – or gets up in the morning, participates in meetings, and does nothing beyond that and is just waiting to be told that they're doing nothing. Okay. So I think quiet quitting – and I don't, by the way, I don't have an objection with that if, if you're using your time to find another job that will appreciate you more. You know, and even as the manager, I'm actually okay with that because it's much more difficult. You're not causing me any difficulty if you show up in my office and say, I haven't been doing any work for for six six months. And by the way, I got another job. I'm like, great. That's the easiest termination <laughs> yeah. I've ever had.
1: Well, the flip side um, of it is is that if people are just working, simplifying their lives by working to at least they're not quitting right. and you're not down a staff member if you're in a situation asking what you're going to do with quiet quitting, it's not the end of the world. Oh, well,
0: again, you're not, it's not what you're what you're doing with quiet quitting. It's what no. do you want to do with the d- just-do-your-jobbers, do- which yeah. both of us agree should be big percentage of your team, possibly the majority And I of take your, your
1: point saying that you could probably bring quiet quitters back if you could incentivize them, whether it's...
0: No, I'm not uh, bringing a quiet quitter back. A quiet quitter needs to leave. I'm talking about that middle, the just-do-your-jobbers. Yeah, yeah. And it's not really about incentivizing. Are people them. This,
1: that's the thing about quiet quitting is it's just working to the job description to the no pay but, I, but
0: but yeah. but you keep you keep conflating the two great there are three categories of people not two there's the oh, well, the, the bottom category beyonders... is
1: presenting is what they call presenteeism that's yeah, where people they're, present they're... for work but they're not doing anything
0: yes. exactly and then exactly. quiet but quitting is the people consider, saying I'm not i don't gonna... call it but see i don't call it quitting if you're doing your job no that's I where don't. i have to i have to disagree and that, that's, that's what i don't like about the term it. is they're
1: not quitting they're just quitting the extra hustle Quitting the extra um, hours. So, so, so
0: basically what we're saying really loudly here is that quiet quitting is kind of like zero trust. It's a, it's a horribly misleading, but amazingly catchy term. On that note,
1: <laughs> thanks so much for listening to Jonah and I today on Heavy Strategy. Hopefully we've uh, discussed the ideas and given you some questions to start thinking about on your own. Jonah, where can people find you?
0: Please come hit us up at namertes.com and click the button to join the community. Greg and I hang out at the Heavy Strategy community at namertes.com.
1: And uh, thanks very much for listening to this podcast. We have many more in the Packet Pushers network. Head on over to packetpushers.net to see many more podcasts like this. Uh, And this has been Heavy Strategy where the questions are probably more interesting than the answers because you need to find your own.